Hello, it is Coach Us Up Chuck Wednesday, October 20th, 2021 years. After the year zero was founded, can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day here today. Chuck Pagano is on, talking about all things happening in the coaching world, giving us some insight from the head coach's point of view on some of these decisions that are being made and also story time. Jonathan Taylor joins us, running back for the Indianapolis Colts, who is having a breakout year for a team that seems to be getting hotter by the second. And Sham Sharania stops by to tell us what's going on in the NBA because basketball is happening. The boys kill it. A.J. Hawk is here. And uh, if you enjoy this show, which I hope you do, please be a friend and tell a friend. If not, just act like it didn't happen. You know, never happened. Just small business. Don't need you telling people the show stinks. Just, just go about your business and keep it moving. All right, let's get to it. 11 years ago, pretty big. Oh, oh wow. Let's go. I just realized that October 20th, uh, 2010 was the... Uh, yeah. The alleged incident evening. You know, oh. obviously, uh, I think a couple years later, I might have made a tackle on Sunday Night Football against mm. somebody. October 20th has always been a big day in my life and a pivotal day in our in my life. And I think that's what's going to happen today on this show. Yeah. Today's show is going to be a big one. Yeah. Oh, Huge. Yeah. We got Jonathan Taylor jo- uh, joining us in Ooh. about 27 minutes or so. Okay. Indianapolis Colts running back who is a stallion of a player. Yeah. Out of Wisconsin, obviously, he has now gotten the lion's share of the load of the ball in Indianapolis, and he has run with it. He has dominated it. Can't wait to continue to learn about him. In the second hour, we got Sean Sharania. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's a basketball guy. NBA oh, yeah, insider right. at the Athletic in the stadium or whatever, and mm-hmm. uh, he will break down everything that happened in basketball last night. Basketball happened. It's yeah, bad. I've heard. Hey, LeBron back. James played basketball last night. <laughs> oh, yeah, night. looked good. He looked really good. He the did. team, however. They lost to the Golden State Warriors, who uh, is Steph Curry's team, yep. who is the founder of Holy Moly, the putt uh, putt game. Show. That's right. That's on ABC. One. So, a lot of big names playing basketball last night. We'll talk to Sham Sharania about that. That'll probably be the only amount of time really committed to a sport we know nothing about. And nobody really seeks us out to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, what do what, uh, the retired punter and his friends think about the NBA? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's thinking that. But Shams. When he comes in, we ask him all the questions that we need to at least stay a little bit updated on what's going on in the NBA. Shams will be the person that tells us enough so we can have a conversation with somebody about the NBA, kind of know what's going on in the NBA, but not have to actually, you know, spend any energy watching right. yes. NBA. Don't have to invest any time in it. No, nope. just on the internet with the highlights. Mm-hmm. Like Carmelo Anthony pump faking a free throw. That's yeah. a highlight. Yeah. Saw that last night. Oh, yeah. LeBron dunked last night. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big times. He had a big time dunk last night. Now, if if Russ and Melo, you know, kind of get start making some shots, maybe they get the big win. Maybe they win this whole thing. That is what we'll be able to do with our conversations yeah. with Shams and doing that. Can't wait to chat with him. And then the third hour starting at 2.05 Eastern time, uh, Coach Us Up Chuck Wednesday will officially kick off. Chuck Pagano will join us for a conversation about all the happenings in the NFL. I cannot wait to chat with him, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Pumped. One of my favorite parts of the week. It really is. Uh, it's like story time with Chuck Holman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's been there, done that with everything. He's, uh, you know, a good paisan. Yeah, truly. Isn't he? Isn't he? That tone. That's what, I thought. what was that? That was 
Siri saying that's what I thought. Yeah, he's read. a good wow. pass on. <laughs> Even Siri knows. That is unbelievable that your watch just spoke up for Chuck Pagano. <laughs> yeah. Because he is a good paizon. And I assume just uh, because Siri can can sense that Italian skin wow. underneath yeah. your arm oh, yeah. right there. Anytime you hear Paisano name uh, shout out there, you go, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I like that Siri's trying to get on the good graces of the DiGiulio family mm-hmm. over there. Uh, but I can't wait to talk with Chuck. And uh, tomorrow night's game, okay, mm-hmm. Thursday night football, is... Interesting because at the beginning of the season, if you would have found out that the Broncos are playing against the Browns in Cleveland, 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 Ohio, mm-hmm. up there on the lake, first couple weeks you're like, oh my God, here we go. This is a clash of tights. Mm-hmm. Since then, the Broncos have lost a few games this past week. Not good. I mean, it was a bad, bad loss. The yeah. team did not look good. The Raiders looked incredible. It was a tough loss for the Broncos. And in the Cleveland Browns, whenever you think about what they just – the loss they just had, obviously, against Cardinals, who are a freight train. Yeah. And need to be treated as such accordingly going – you get it. They right. are a freight train right now. But the Cleveland Browns, every person that you have heard of on the offensive side of the ball is out tomorrow. Yeah. I, there is a long – it was announced this morning Case Keenum will be starting at quarterback yeah. for the Cleveland Browns. Although Baker Mayfield wanted to play and was arguing to play, even though he has a completely torn labrum in his left shoulder, it was partially torn. And last week, whenever he got tackled awkwardly, somebody came out, it became a fully torn labrum. He's been battling this since week three or something, like or week two, I forget exactly what it was. He's been deemed at because I think he's – his opinion on whether or not you should play was outvoted by like the team, the doctors, uh, and everything. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. You can't do it. He's a Kareem Hunt at Nick Chubb at Jarvis Landry. I think he's out. I'm yeah, pretty not sure. He's very out. sure. Yeah. He's not even official. Right. Yeah, we, we don't want to do his. Odell Beckham at Jack Conklin. Game time. Potentially. Maybe at. We don't know anything about the offensive line. But anyways, they are out a lot of key players. Will it matter against the Denver Broncos team? Will they still be able to run against Denver? Or will what Vaughn Miller said in an interview of, I, I don't know who's playing tackle for the Browns. I don't know. But I know I'm going to kill him. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the, it, when you start thinking about the, uh, this was tweeted by Eric Dalala. Shout out. Eric Dalala with an A. A R I C D I capital L A L L A. Von Miller setting high standards this week for himself. I play well in this game. I'm going to have a great game. I don't know who the tackle I'm going against is, but I'm going to kill him. Okay. <laughs> so whenever you start thinking risk free same game parlay that needs to hit, I'm starting to think. Okay, Miles Garrett's probably going to have a pretty big game. Mm-hmm. Von Miller's probably going to have a pretty big game. In Case Keenum, even though we don't know who his weapons are, what his weapons are going to be, the guy can complete some passes. I oh, assume yeah. his his passing yards going to be low. I think it's going to be a bad game, an ugly game. And by saying that, I think it's going to be big defensive. I mean, we're going to get after it here. And I don't know who's going to win, so I might keep that out of the same game parlay, which makes the beauty of the same game parlay. But the thought right now is that tomorrow is going to be a shit show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, this is the first time in some time. And then next week, obviously, you got Cardinals Packers on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. So we might have to go through a little bit of a uh, shit sandwich tomorrow night. But this is a turning point for both these teams. Both teams are 3-3. Three and three. Both teams had very high hopes first couple weeks of the season. Both teams are currently entrenched in what the fuck's going on maybe a little bit of injuries and everything like that who will 
take at the turning point on Thursday night football? I guess we'll have to find out. The Talks Table is here at Ty Schmidt, at Boston Connor. Tony Diggs is here. Obviously got a chance to chat with him and his Apple Watch yeah. earlier. Uh, Ty, when you think about tomorrow night, what are your thoughts? I really have no idea because like we were talking out, out you know, before the show started, like the, the Broncos started hot. Everyone were like, well, hey, maybe this team could have a, a shot in winning this division or making it to the playoffs. They didn't beat anybody. They haven't looked good, but like they're not. They their offense is explosive. Like they have plenty of weapons, plenty of pieces. We know how good their defense is, but it it just seems like I mean the Browns. Even with all these guys out, it just seems like a game that they'll win. But I but I don't. I mean, it's a weird game. It's a very it, fascinating it, game. It is two teams, three and three, and the slate across the board this week in week seven is not. It's not great. It's not that great of a slate. And no. whenever you're talking about greatness of slates, we're not talking about how games could potentially end up, but there isn't that many like consequential games, even though it's only week seven. You look at the Chiefs, Titans, two teams, four and two, two teams coming off of big time identity games for themselves, I believe. Second half of that Washington football team game for the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes seemed to come alive. That team seemed to look great, seemed to get things back on track, but he did have to deal with his brother being a fucking asshole on mm-hmm. the internet. True. So Per I mean, usual. Ma- ma- does seem to potentially be a thing time. this past weekend, though, was despicable. Can't uh-huh. do it. How do you even get there, though? I don't know. It feels more. It feels a lot like the Washington football team was, you know, messing up a lot of things this weekend. So maybe it's fifty on them, fifty on Little Mahomes. Yeah, right. it's still, you got to have the wherewithal to be like, oh, they're retiring this guy's number today. I probably shouldn't be fucking standing Especially right. Especially because he grew up in a, a professional athlete family, right? Everybody talks about how Pat's dad was a major league baseball player mm-hmm. and he's been around and everything yeah. like that. And so that means Jackson also has, right? That right. means the same yes. exact thing. And, in that, and that would be something that I think you would learn, you know, through your life. Like, okay, we we pay respect to, you know, those who were OGs before us and everything like that. So I think definitely on him. Yeah. Well, But also, how the fuck yeah. were they even standing there? The Chiefs fans are being like, well, that was the VIP area. They were told to stay in that area. But like... When I go to a funeral and they're like, hey, go stand over there by the casket, I don't then jump on top of the casket and then dance on top of it. Yeah, it's true. true. I just don't understand. Like, why, why the hell does he need to be on the field before the game? What are you talking about? It's like, dude, go watch the fucking game up in the box. No, nah, sideline passes for the star of the side. I yeah, mean, he I, does no. it every game, though. Yeah, well, that's his thing. Yeah, it's his... It's his I'm it's, done with it. Well, it's, it, you're, not, you're not even... Halfway through season three, of this. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. I mean, you know, what I you know. Mean? I better get comfortable. You're right. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah, this, this is, is the thing. Yeah, this is a thing. Yeah. And by the way, there's probably ten to fifteen seasons of this particular show. Wow. Yeah. Which is the Jackson dance on the thing before the thing thing. And maybe you know his dad was in the in major leagues, and maybe he did grow up with it, or maybe his dad was like, "Hey, Pat, you can come with me to the games, but leave your fucking little brother at home because I hate that kid so much. I can't whoa, stand him." Whoa. But hey, that's just that's just something that might have happened. That I was don't too know. far. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> unless it happened. Well, if it happened. I haven't Listen. seen many videos with Little Mahomes uh, there. I've only seen uh, him with Pat. Okay, anyways. But Pat did, did have to deal with that a little bit, I yeah. guess. I'm sure he's passed it. But that team, second half, seems to have found it. Them playing the Titans coming off the Derrick Henry three-tud game. I mean, that is a fantastic game. I'm very happy that this game is happening this weekend because it's huge. Bengals-Ravens, AFC North matchup, 4-2 and two Bengals just beat the fucking brakes off yep. the line. Oh, not even close. Right. See, just... 
the dog shit uh, was kicked uh, out of yeah. the lion. Uh, Never a doubt. You know, there's a couple weeks there where the lions were scraping and crying. Crawling back into it. And at the end, they, they lost in, in heartbreaking fashion. In, thi- in this particular one, the Bengals marched into the lion's den. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Boom. Lions den. And literally just did, is this how Bengals Pete? Did they lift their leg? I'm not 100 percent sure. All oh, yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. And this was supposed to be the one where Sheila Ford Hamp and uh, yeah. MCDC Thank and everybody. This was supposed to be the game they get their first win. They yep. get off the Schneid. Everybody's yeah. Foxy had actual hope, it seemed like. Yeah. The internet was even saying, Oh, Lions plus six. This is a lock or whatever it was. Like that was a, a an overwhelming and then Joey Burrow went in there and just yeah, beat yeah. the fuck out of him. Yeah, yeah and if you guys thought that one was bad, wait till this Sunday when the Lions go to L.A. and have to play Matthew Stafford. Oh, oh Jared Goff reunion wow. game! Revenge, revenge. Jared Goff's on coming home! I'm coming home! Open the golf course! I'm coming home! Jared Goff, coming back to L.A., dude. Yeah! With so much confidence going into this game, too. Yeah, because MCDC was saying, hey, we all got to step it up. Oh, you you yeah. can be better is what MCDC said. We just got to step it up. Whatever the case, Matthew Stafford over. And yeah. what, everything. Touchdowns, yeah. I mean, yards, 50 on him. rush yards, you name it. Sean McVay uh, this morning had half his face cut off on yep. uh, Good Morning Football. But the headline, I didn't get to see it or hear it, but I saw the headline said um, uh, McVay – uh, did not handle the Jared Goff trade yeah. perfectly. He said he would say that and agree with that. Well, you know, maybe Jared Goff's coming back with a oh, yeah. a fucking point to prove. A chip dude. on his shoulder. He was just shipped out of town. You guys pay me $100 million and trade me away for mm. a bag of balls, dude? And Matthew Stafford and like seven other things have to come in, come in return or whatever? What What's going on? I'm going to come dominate out here with my wide receiver named... Quintez Cephas. And, yeah. And my Hawk. And, uh, and he's out. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's gone. Hawk. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson. I think McVay only said that because he goes, wow, I didn't expect golf and the Lions to be this bad. Now I feel bad for what I did to that man. I don't think so because I think McVay sees what Stafford's doing. He's like, man, this is awesome. I won. We're exactly right. When I was down there in Mexico and Cancun, I couldn't have dreamed of anything. Like, you were really cool. We had a couple beers together. Our families got to hang out. This is before, during, and after the trade was taking Mm -hmm. place where we sent three first-rounders out of there for you. But, man. This is much better than we could have ever met. You you are polar opposite of what Jared Goff is. That's yeah, pretty fun. <laughs> Do you know that? It is crazy. We benched Jared Goff end of the season because he had a little cut on his hand or whatever. We didn't yeah. know what it was going to take. Actually, in the playoff game, we said, hey, Jared Goff, we don't want, we don't want you yep. to start. Mm-hmm. I made that decision. A lot of people are talking about it, but it wasn't being talked about as loud as it probably should have because they just paid their franchise guy, and they were ipso facto benching yeah. said player in mm-hmm. the playoffs in the biggest thing. Then he gets traded, that whole thing. McVay's like, I'm going to let you know, man, you get your hand cut off. We'll have you play lefty. Yeah. yeah. We will still start you. Like, that is what it feels like McVay is with Stafford as opposed to what the Goff thing is. But is this just the honeymoon phase? And will Jared Goff get a chance to say anything after getting his ass beat by the Bengals last? Probably not, if I had to guess. Probably not. I no assume way. the Rams. Lions are in trouble. Lions are in trouble. I think so. But th- maybe the Ravens are in trouble because this Bengals team is legit. This is the first time in a long time I think some people believe that the Bengals could be an actual team. Now, them beating the hell out of the Lions is not necessarily the case. A lot of teams that have beat the hell out of the Lions over the years have not been an actual team. Sure. Right? right? That is something that is... <laughs> How about the, the Lions? The Bears? Hey, the Lions are really taking it on the shins right now. Yeah, well, well, they do every single stick. year. I mean, I you notice last week was the first time we didn't get it. These guys played so fucking hard. No, he got mad. He, he, he got that's, sick of that's it. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, the, the honky-dory, I love you guys. You're going to go out and compete for me, man. Like, that, that stage is over. 
Now yeah. it's now he's gonna turn into a fucking horse's ass, I think. And if Whoa. they don't, if they don't oh. keep winning, if they if they don't win, no, it's just different modes and different times. I assume next off season it'll be the same thing. If they start winning, MCDC will do his thing. He's trying to figure out how to motivate this team yeah. that he's been cursed for decades. He's trying to figure out how to beat them. And a lot of people are saying maybe it is like a Ted Lasso situation. Yeah. Maybe he is sure. able to come into FC Richmond and turn that whole thing around. Maybe he is able to come in there, yeah. put a believe sign up on the wall, people pat it, put some sage in the goddamn training room, mm-hmm. and get the curse out of there. But I think it's all just going to take about a $2 million check to Calvin Johnson. Bingo. And then maybe they'll have a chance if they, uh, you know, maybe get some better players on the team. With all that being said... Bengals Ravens going to be a great game. <laughs> yeah. Great game. I'm sorry, Zito. You said something about the Bears there. I couldn't hear it because your voice is a little bit lower there. Yeah, I said uh, the last oh, time they played God, the Bears, Jesus. they lost. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, you, did you just get out of a mob meeting? Did you, I did. Yes. You sitting at the head of the table? Or? I'm sitting right at the head of the table. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hope you're all right. We hope Thank you feel you, better. Yeah. Sorry, you're going through this, Zito. You're the best, dude. Uh, Bengals Ravens, big time game though. Okay, that's yeah. a huge game. Excited to see that. Um, Bears-Bucks, I guess you can call that a big game because the Bucks are in it. Justin Fields looks like he's going to be great. Aside from that, there's not a lot of games this weekend that we think, oh, these are must-wins, have to win. This is a big game going in the future. A lot of kind of piss-poor matchups with six teams on bye this weekend. Don't what do you mean? about Sunday night, baby. That's Sunday night game. That's a big game. Electricity is going to be Niners in the air. lose with being behind the Rams and the Cardinals is tough. Colts, you can't lose if the Titans are getting hot. Listen, the Niners go to two and five when they lose to the Indianapolis Colts, or the Colts go to two and six whenever they lose if they lose to the Niners. Both devastating blows. Yeah, absolutely. That is going to be tough to come back from. But if they win that, both of them, three and four still, three and five still. I, I don't know how. It's not. I mean, it's a great game. Two teams that I think going into the season, everybody were like, all right, here we go. We got some squads. But you're right. If the 49ers go to two and five? Four. They had a bye last week. Two and four. If the Niners go two and four, they're in that division. They're going to be dead. Yeah, that's why I think we can all assume they're going to beat the shit out of the Colts. I'm sorry. I'm just saying. Jimmy G's back. They had a nice little bye week. Everyone's feeling fresh. T.Y. Hilton's back, dude. Yeah, T.Y. Hilton, you know, who knows? He hurt his quad. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, yeah. If we're positive that he's back, but (laughs) we do know Jimmy G's back, and it seems as though the Niners will look around the division and say, hey, if we don't win tonight, our season's probably over. T.Y.'s back. All right, let's not get to it. But there's there's, tomorrow night is going to be an interesting game littered with injuries, and then this weekend there's probably going to be games that turn into great games at the end. I assume there's going to be some great matchups. And when that 1 o'clock slate – has like three games that are all ending at about the same time, mm-hmm. and there's a kick needed or this needed. Every it is electrifying. You just gotta wait through like two hours and forty five minutes of some shit yep. to kind of get to that point, and it is fantastic. Uh, to pivot a little bit away from tomorrow night's game and the risk free same game parlay in which we will take millions, and millions of dollars from Fanduel finally after it smashes and we get hopefully record numbers on that thing so we can all make some money because the game i mean who knows how it's going to go the risk-free same game uh parlay almost hitting last week was electrifying yeah yeah. the entire time we have to talk about something that is happening in the nfl community because if we didn't talk about this what type of show would we be that's right not a very good one we always say we're stern but fair Mm -hmm. yes and if it is in our world we will talk about it because it's our world. We talk about our world. Yeah, have mm-hmm. to. Our world is the sports world. Mm-hmm. 
So when things happen in the sports world, we must address it. More specifically, when things happen in the NFL, we have to address it. Mm -hmm. And I hate to be the one that has to bring this news to you, but I want to let you know that there seems to be a little bit of unrest amongst the Chiefs kingdom. Oh, no. Uh Uh-oh. Out there in Kansas City where they have been celebrating success with the Kansas City Chiefs organization for the last few years, much more so than they had uh, before that, they've had a diehard loyal fan base that has always showed up at Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. And whenever you walk into that place and you get a chance to play there, if you're lucky enough to play in the NFL, you get a chance to play uh, at Arrowhead, you you automatically feel like the, the fan base. You feel the energy. You can feel that the Chiefs' kingdom is a real one and a passionate one. And you almost hope, like, hey, I hope you guys get a chance, just like the dog pound, I hope you guys get a chance to experience a good team someday. And then all of a sudden... Alex Smith gets traded out of town after Andy Reid gets brought in. Patrick Mahomes is there, and all of a sudden they start building up this monster, this weapon. And that fan base is put on display on primetime games all the time. Everybody on earth now gets a chance to hear. Showtime, too. Patrick Mahomes plays to the audience, too. The crowd is a massive part of the Kansas City Chiefs' entire experience. And now, we regret to inform you that in the real world, the one that we're living in right now, this is an actual news clip about what's potentially going on amongst the fans in Kansas City. As the Chiefs seem to refine their identity, it seems like the fans are crumbling into pieces. This is, once again, an actual news piece on Fox 4 in Kansas City. Well, if you spend any time around here on game day, you're likely to be aware of at least one of these men. The man known as the X Factor has been around for decades. He's the one seen in the video getting knocked down by another man who the people of Section 129 may know as Red Extreme. There's X Factor. Here it is. This began about six years ago, meeting and whooping it up with young Chiefs fans. And this is X Factor today. Oh no. What? Only recognizable oh, by no. his foam hat. What? The Broncos colors from the hospital. They kicked me out of Arrowhead. First time ever X Factor's been kicked out. Third person. We don't have permission to show the video of the X Factor falling after an apparent punch, but it has nearly a million views on Twitter. The X Factor explains what happened from his perspective and who is involved. He's my old apprentice. I actually <laughs> made him famous. Um, <laughs> you know, gave him the name Red Extreme. I saw him come run up the stairs at me and he was had that look, I'm going to kill you. And so I like tried to grab his jersey to stop him Smart. and talk to him. And he, like the movie Friday, he deboed me one punch <laughs> and I saw stars. They took me to triage at Arrowhead, checked me out. I felt all right at the time, but then I didn't know I'd broke my ribs. Red Extreme posted a 17-minute video message to his Facebook page following the incident. He says, a cup of water was thrown and hit my wife in the back and splashed onto me. He continues, I have never in my life felt so bad about feeling so good because knocking that low-life son of a expletive out was the greatest feeling I've had in a long time. My problem is it happened inside the stadium, and I never imagined in my life I would behave in that manner in the stadium. He also accuses the X Factor of being inebriated. It says that I'm a meth addict. 
which I I'm a cocaine addict and alcoholic. <laughs> okay. I've been clean for four years. Okay. He much said different. I threw a water Congrats, bottle. Congrats, by the way. Much I didn't. And I flipped my car a yeah. week ago Tuesday. So it's been a wild week. What? <laughs> Wait. Yeah. This making me stronger. Jesus, you know, Jesus was persecuted. Of course. I'll come back fighting. is looking to press charges at this point but throughout the day we did try to connect directly with red extreme but were turned down however immediately before our broadcast we spoke by phone and he stressed that anything that the x factor says should be taken with a big dose of skepticism no, and that okay. he himself actually stepped away from the super fan community because no. of his distrust and distaste of x factors behavior oh, wow all right, Jacob Kittlestad. Thank you, Jacob oh Kittlestad. Thank, you, Thank Jacob. you, Jacob. Hey, we hope they figured it out over there. Yeah. Okay? We're all Chiefs fans here. All right, Red Extreme, X Factor. I, I can't believe he said he was a meth head. All right, yeah. X Factor's clearly not a meth head. I mean, you take one look at him, you go, oh, that guy. No, cocaine. That guy loves booze. coke and booze. And, yeah. and he's been clean for four years. Congrats, X Factor. Although, you know, he flipped his car last week. Well, so. it's been a rough week. <laughs> yeah. No, he was definitely up. boozed up. Bro, how long has he been wearing the hospital gun thing? <laughs> Bro, him walking in front of the stadium. So he had to walk to his car from his house. Uh -huh. Yeah. Wearing the same thing in the hospital. Yeah. Drive to the interview, get out of the car. They well, let us set up a camera. You got it. I'll get, really give this thing. X Factor's a fucking lightning rod, dude. Yes. X Factor uh, needs to not get kicked out of games anymore. Eh? If you start kicking X Factor out, I mean, maybe the Chiefs lose every single game again. You, yeah. You think? And Red Extreme, okay, Red Extreme said he's never felt so bad about feeling so good about knocking that son of a bitch. Out. <laughs> I actually read a little bit about this. The uh, the hospital scrubs was actually the only thing he owns right now. Okay. Because wow. <laughs> uh, he pissed and shit himself when he when Red Extreme uh, did knock him out. So that's all the only clothes he has left now is the hospital. Well, and at least he kept that hat. Yeah, True. yeah exactly. Yeah. You know I mean, at least he kept his, his hat. His crown, really. We would like everybody to know that we hope Red Extreme and the X Factor, uh, you know, bygones be bygones, and they can both coexist in the super fan community, which Red Extreme says he has quit completely. Yeah, Which is, it's never going to happen. I mean, you heard, you heard Red Extreme. You know, he hates his guts. He wants to finish the job and kill him. Especially with X Factor saying, well, he's actually my apprentice. I made him famous. You know, I mean, he's taking... I gave him the night. Yeah, he's yeah. taking all Red Extreme's glory and that will not stand. Now that the world's opening back up, so many new thrills are on the horizon. Okay. And whether you've been in a relationship for years or just getting started, we're excited to get back out there and meet new people. Hell yeah. When the moment comes, it's not come too quick. Oh, <laughs> oh here we go. That is not what they had in their copy. Okay. <laughs> they should. That was, I think they're going in a different direction, so... Let's go back a sentence or two. Okay, okay. When you when the moment comes, you want to be ready. Hell That's yeah. true. Yeah. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, Ooh. all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Once you take care of that, though, you get the Roman swipes, and guess what? Ha! Huh? Lasts a long time. Banging it, banging it, banging it. Yeah, it's yeah. Pete Alonzo at the all <laughs> yes. at the home run derby. That's oh, right. Dingers. Downtown. <laughs> Bingo. Occup er, population you dude hell yeah 
Roman ready equals confidence. The confidence that you know you can rise to the occasion in the moment. We're looking at the Summer of Love 2021 version, and Roman wants to make sure you can participate in your way. Whether that be as a single person or a couple who would still rather stay in with each other, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you for free with two-day shipping. Okay. Ooh. That's huge. Free? The shipping's free. Wow. I believe. Not the... Not the yeah, medication. F- free no. two-day shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash McAfee today, and if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of ED treatment. Okay. That's G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N.com slash M-C-A-F-E-E. And if you're prescribed, you can get 50% off your first month of erectile dysfunction treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. That was a man who's one like would not be able to fit into Foxy's pants ever. Uh, nope. Man, it would never drop a bird dog's whistle tip football if it was thrown to him because his hands are immaculate. He runs downhill but has the agility of a ninja with the ball. And all around back to, I think, Indianapolis is getting a chance to experience in full force now here in his second year. He has become the guy in the backfield. Ladies and gentlemen, out of the University of Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah! yeah! What's up, dude? What's going on, Pat? Hey, you look. Hey, this is like a TV. Stu- you're in a TV studio right now. Yeah. Hey, thank you for making the show. Hey, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Hey, you're making go. our show look better right now. We appreciate that, dude. How's life? How are you? You're the guy now in the backfield. I assume last year you guys had a little bit of a split rotation. Now you're getting more the lion's share of the ball. How's the body feel here going into week seven? The body is feeling feeling great. Um, the coaches, as well as strength and conditioning staff, are doing a great job of communicating, as well as with the players, just to make sure that we're we're at our peak each and every single week, ready to go. Uh, what has been the difference this year with Carson-led team versus Philip Rivers-led team? I know, obviously, you guys started a little bit cold, but the team seems to be getting hot. Here we go. Let's go on a run. I think that's everybody's mindset, especially T.Y. Hilton's back in there, and it seems like pieces are starting to fall into place. But what is the difference, you think, between the attitude of this year's team and last year's team? Is it too early to tell, or have you have you seen a difference? I mean, one thing for sure, Carson just brings a different dynamic to the team. I mean, it's some looks and some plays where any quarterback, any other quarterback in the league is, is tackled there, and he somehow breaks out of it. He's looking downfield, trying to complete the pass or taking off for the first down. I mean, he's just incredible. Hey, do you ever – now, you're so young, and he's much older than you, and he is a quarterback. But did you ever at any point early in the season say to him, like, hey, Carson, you can sprain both your ankles on one play. You can, you can potentially die out here. Did, 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 was there ever a conversation like, Carson, sometimes has anybody, have you heard that conversation happen? Or is it just you guys have the utmost respect for every single play has to be lived or died with in Carson Wentz's mind? We, we truly 100% trust Carson with all the decisions um, that he makes. Uh, it's actually crazy. I've never even heard of that, you know, a guy going out there playing on two sprained ankles. I mean, that just shows the type of toughness he has. Uh, what's he like around the locker room? Has he won over everybody? That's a big deal. You know, last year, I assume you were just trying to find your way. Even though you were a second-round pick, the team's finding in there. Now you're a little bit more comfortable, I assume, around the building. You're getting the ball a lot. What is the vibe like? Is the culture still there from last year? And whenever you guys weren't playing as well, how did you guys lean? Did you lean on the culture to kind of get you back into good graces here? The, the culture is still alive and well, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that. Because that's something that we did lean on when we weren't playing as well. It was the culture, us playing for the man next to us, us playing for for the guy next to us that we know near and dear to our hearts. We know this guy. We've 
We know about his family. We know about his friends. Um, so that kind of motivated us to go out there and play for each other in practice to get each other better in order for it to show up on game day on Sundays. Uh, when you talk about Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, obviously they have a lot of faith in you. What are your conversations like with them day-to-day? Is Chris around a lot? Is Frank hands-on with the offense? What is it day-to-day with those two guys? Um, Chris Ballard is always around the building. He's always speaking with players. Uh, and Coach Wright, I mean, he's always he's in tune with, with the player council. He's in tune with the captains and, and leaders on this team. Um, you really want to be in tune and in touch with your players because it's, it's a two-way street. That's how, you know, everyone wins. We went on the field. We went on the practice field. And also we went in the meeting rooms by being able to communicate. you got to be able to communicate with, with your head guy and be able to let him know how the players are feeling and he lets you know how the coaches and the staff are feeling. How do you feel this year? With, you know, a lot more responsibility in the offensive game plan. You are a pivotal point. Not that you weren't last year, but it was kind of like a split backfield because you guys have immense depth in that running back room, which I assume you all take a lot of pride in. But this year, you're you're becoming the guy, the go-to guy, throwing the ball. I mean, you, you're faster than everybody. You're in the backfield. You can run downhill. It seems like you're in every down back. How is that? Is that more pressure, more responsibility? Did you know going into the year it was going to be like this? And how has it kind of been uh, to handle? No, it's really just been a week-to-week mindset on what am I being asked to do this week you know, in the game plan and how can I prepare myself in order to execute that on Sundays when it, when it matters and when it counts. And that goes into studying each and every single week, going out there, executing in every single practice, as well as getting help from the other guys in the running back room, maybe you know, Naheem. Some of these new plays that I've had, Naheem has run plenty of times before, asking him little tips and tricks, some new run schemes, asking Marlon, you know, you guys ran this, maybe your first year or your second year, how did you go about running this scheme? So it's a collective effort. Marlon Mack, he seems to be so professional with everything that's going on right now. It feels like, are you guys all open about the situation that you're in? Do you just let the business kind of be handled outside the building? Because he's obviously been chatted about being traded for the last couple of weeks, both by the team, I think by him. They're, they're kind of figuring that out. But every time he gets on the field, he seems to make plays. And it sounds like you guys have a great relationship. Do you just try to keep all that out of the building? Is that what you have to do? Yeah, we definitely do. I mean, and if you were to speak to Marlon, you would not even know, you know, what was even going on or the situation just because of how he handles himself in the side of this building. Um, like you said, a true professional, um, but he's also down to earth as well. I mean, he's still he still gave us tips and tricks when he was hurt last year. He could have easily gone somewhere, just focused and locked in on his rehab. But he was always texting us, always letting us know good game, a bad game. Here are some tips that, that I can see that can help you guys improve. So he's always been there for us. And right now we're there for him as well. That's amazing to hear, especially as a fan of the team. Is there any running backs that you learn from outside of the building? Any other uh, any running backs that you looked up to maybe as you were coming through Wisconsin and dominating everybody? Is there anybody's game that you try to emulate or do you try to take from a plethora? I try to definitely take a, from a plethora. You know, growing up, I was a guy who watched Adrian Peterson and Arian Foster. And then going through college years, of course, you got the Dalvin Cooks, the Ezekiel Elliott's. Um, those kind of guys, you know, they were dominating in college and then they transitioned to the NFL and was able to dominate at a high level as well. So being able to just take a little bit or study, I should say, from a lot of different great backs um, in order to help elevate my game. Any hits hurt you thus far in the NFL? Anything? I assume in college you were able just to run over everybody. Like, all right, this is it. This is it. No big deal. Has there been any shots in the NFL? You'd be like, oh, that's that seems like a guy that maybe has a wife and kids right there. Like, has there been any? <laughs> has there been any of that? Um, definitely, definitely my first year here. I um, mean, it was actually in training camp. Um, it was just versus Darius Leonard. 
um, which you can't be too mad about because there aren't many. There's no one like Darius Leonard in the league, so uh, you can't really get too mad about that one. Uh, so I'm glad it was actually Darius and not someone else. Man, that would be a hilarious moment. Oh, jeez. Oh, this, there's a paycheck on the line here for this particular guy. A little bit different. Go ahead, Ty. Jonathan, you talk about all those guys who were studs in college and then going into the league. And a lot of the guys we talk to, they talk about like the point when the game slows down for them in the NFL. Do you feel like you've kind of reached that point yet? Like, are, th- is th- are things different now with your vision and you know when things are going to open up or when you have to be a little bit more patient? Like, has that happened for you yet? Yeah, it definitely did, especially coming in last year when you're learning everything virtually um, and then you have to come in live bullets flying during a modified training camp. Then once you get rolling through the season, I mean, the playbook's constantly changing due to game plan. So once you finally get a grasp of all the little nuances in the playbook, you're kind of able to go out there and not focus on, you know, what to do, but how I'm supposed to do it and how can I do it at a high level. How's the pass pro? Has that been tough trying to learn coverages? Who's coming? Who's not coming? Do you let, does Carson handle that? Does Ryan Kelly handle that? Has that become has that been very natural for you to become a blocker in the back? Yeah, definitely. Carson and, and Ryan Kelly. I mean, those two guys are, are so smart and dissecting the uh, the defense when we're in our passing schemes. I mean, being able to see through disguises. I mean, Ryan Kelly is, is the best center in the NFL. I mean, being able to just you know, see the rotation, look at linebacker depth and just be able to tell, you know, hey, we need to take the point this way. But being able to protect the quarterback is, is one of the number one things uh, besides ball security that you have to be able to do in this league as a running back. If you can't protect your quarterback, he can't trust you and you won't be able to be out there. Hey, Ryan Kelly's a good dude, too. And like he, I got him when I tail end of my career. He was young, you know, at the time. So quiet out of Alabama, just seemed to be the coolest dude of all time at all times. And it's nice. He was in a number 69, I think, in the NFL Top yeah. 100. So yeah, it's nice to see him get some shine. And I appreciate you putting him over there a little bit as well. Anything different about the NFL than what you maybe expected when you were coming in? Is there anything that has kind of caught you off guard with the NFL, or is this everything you kind of expected? No, really one of the biggest things was just understanding that, you know, how tough the games are. A lot of times in college you may have some games where, you're like, I- I'm pretty sure that we should be able to, to get the job done versus these guys. Uh, and one thing that I learned a lot from the veterans was do not look at anyone's record at all in the NFL because anybody can lose on any, any given Sunday. Urban Meyer said we're playing Alabama every week. It's fucking <laughs> up. Hey, this is unbelievable, man. We got Alabama every single week, dude. And Fangio's like, yeah, welcome to the men's league, pal. Get on out of here. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Jonathan, how big of a difference is it this year, like you said, with the uh, full training camp and everything? And also with hard knocks around, do you ever have to tell people, like, hey, let's just stay back here. I'm going to go on my own and just be by myself for a little bit? Oh, like old school reality TV. Get yeah. the cameras out of my fucking face. <laughs> now. Is there any of that? And that- yeah, that's actually really interesting. I mean, never would I have thought that I'd be on, on a Hard Knocks episode, um, but it's actually been really fun, um, really fun being able to know that I'm going to have the opportunity in the future to go back and look at these practices, look at these meetings, and just see everyone's different thoughts week in and week out, uh, which has actually been really, really fun. Um, but, you know, this year, just being able, um, like I alluded to earlier, being able to go out there and play free. Um, you know, you'll have new things here and there, but those are the kind of only things you need to store in your memory bank. But most of the, the playbook has been the same from last year besides, you know, some few tweaks. Uh, any training room love in that hard knocks? You think the equipment managers or training room getting any love on HBO? You got a little bit behind the scenes on what they're filming and what they're not filming. This is the first in-season season. So what are we going to see in there, you think? 
I definitely think they're going to show the training room some love. I mean, those guys, they take care of us each and every single day, not even each and every single week, each and every single day, transporting, moving gear, making sure we have cleats, gloves, any and everything that we need. So it's a must. Yeah, the equipment room over there is hilarious. The training room is a group of good people. I hope they get a chance to really – they are a hilarious bunch of human beings. Go ahead, Tone. Uh, Jonathan, in college, which is absolutely wild in 13 or 14 games, you ran for 2,000 yards every single year you were there, which is insane. Is that like a number that you're striving to in the NFL, or do you set personal goals going into the season? I mean, that shoot, that would be amazing. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to run for 2,000 yards in the NFL? Um, but, you know, each and every single week, like I said, no matter what the game plan is, um, looking to see what am I asked to do this week, what plays am I being asked to execute, how can I go out there and execute at a high level, if not score on those design plays. Oh, you just took like a little, I think it was just a little stop route out there on the side, and you just opened up. Did they tell you how fast you were on that? Did you get a chance? And how about the PMS Untouched uh, touchdown? Did you get a, a bidet as well? Have you got the bidet yet? <laughs> I haven't. They haven't told me how fast I was running. Uh, a lot of people on the sideline, you know, they told me that, hey, JT, you were moving. Moving. Uh, but I'm not sure the exact number. You were moving. I hope you get the bidet, by the way. You, you should have a bidet showing up at your house. Literally. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is what we're yeah. so we've been promoting that you have won a bidet, so we hope you got a bidet. You also want a guy named Steve a bidet, so very, <laughs> very nice. So what do you do in the off time when you're not playing football? You just uh, you play video games or anything like that? What are some hobbies? I'll definitely play some video games or watch, you know, space documentaries or YouTube videos. Oh, yeah. Kind of, you really got to be able to reset and step away from, from the game a lot of times in order to come back fresh and ready to go. Okay, so have you seen an alien or no? UFO? You said alien? Yeah, UFO. Have you seen the UFO? I have. Okay! What? Now we're getting somewhere. And I don't know how much more time you have. We'll get you out of here. Where at? How often? And is, was that what piqued your interest in the entire uh, what the hell's going on out there? Especially now that it's basically been confirmed that you weren't a lunatic, which I assume you were taken as whenever you first said that you saw a UFO? I actually, the first time, the first I don't know if it was or not. I'm not sure. But maybe it was just because I watched something a little bit beforehand and you know when your mind starts playing tricks on you just a little bit yeah but for the most part it had to be where oh this was and it's crazy because it was actually out in arizona which kind of makes sense oh. um during during the off season so it actually kind of makes sense but i don't tell too many people that because like i said at the same time i'm not even sure but man some things you just haven't seen before and you're like man that's something and there has to be something out there. I mean, there's the, obviously at this point, it's been basically proven by the Pentagon releasing files with the, the UFOs and everything like that. I am so jealous of you. I can't wait to the night that I see something because I always got my eyes to this guy. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, you're, hey, you're a shooting star, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. You're probably going to be up there as well. I appreciate everything you're doing for the Colts and can't wait to watch you continue to grow and dominate, boss. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, Jonathan Terry. Yeah! Good guy. Yeah. Yes. Area 51's out there over by Arizona, they say, too. I think it's uh, New Mexico or Nevada. Yeah, but Roswell. Yeah, I guess right it's, all out there in the, it's all out there in the desert. And they move, they move that quick, so it could have been leaving Area 51. Two minutes later, it's in Arizona. Yeah. I was in Arizona, you know, what was that, a couple weeks ago for uh, yeah. SmackDown or whatever? Mm -hmm. I just stared at the sky just for hours at night, like, <laughs> just waiting. Just waiting. Come on.
there has to be something up there. Mm -hmm. I keep my eye to the sky all the time. I don't, I don't ever see anything. The only time I saw was that Elon Musk SpaceX. Oh, yeah. That was clearly a UFO or whatever that was flying over everybody on the Santa Monica Pier, I think it yeah. was. Yep. And nobody had a clue. They were like, oh, that's just Elon taking off to his planet or whatever. It's like, oh. Okay. I feel like this is what we all are looking for. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So Jonathan Taylor, all right, he's seen a UFO. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. You probably did see one in Arizona, but they probably had their cloaking you know, Smart. mechanisms going. Well, that's so. what I'm saying. They could just dress up like a cloud. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Stars. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Anything. Their technology. Anyways, Jonathan Taylor, hell of a football player. Yeah, Very great football. Good. Let's make sure we don't get that lost in this entire conversation now that I do love him even more, knowing that he is, yeah, I think that was a UFO right yeah. there. Yeah. Sounds I like, like that. That's sounds great. Sounds like they might have zapped him, too. Hey, forget Whoa. this. Oh, you think it was forget a, this. looking at this thing, right? Yeah. In black? Mm hmm. I was watching another thing. What's that? That had some things that happened in it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is this actually happening? Squid Game. Oh. <laughs> By the way, that's why I can't watch Dateline anymore. So I watch Dateline, and as soon as the person that did it pops up on the screen, that's the person. Okay, it's like 10 minutes into an hour, maybe an hour and a half mm -hmm. show. That's the person. Boom. Turns out in the end, it is. I saw that uh, Avengers... Uh, yeah, Endgame. Infinity War. The, the thing. Then I was asked what's going to happen in the next one. Boom. This is it. Squid Game, episode yeah. what? Two, I think. Early. Episode two. Oh, I know exactly what's happening with this whole thing. Then they, they threw me off. Yeah. They threw me off the set. Uh-huh. That was a great series, though. It is good. Very good. I am a massive fan of Squid Game becoming as big as it is. Mm -hmm. Because just like I said last week when we were talking about this, it's cool to see, like, that was Korean crea uh, created, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the opposite side of the world. Being able to relate with a great lip dub. Great lip dub. Though. Oh, you did you a lip, lip dub. dub version. No. Not, not the captions. Well, I did captions, yeah, but they were also speaking English. Yeah, so, you did lip dub. Yeah, I did the lip dub version, yeah. Yeah, yeah. way better. Way better. What are you talking about? What so are you guys they, doing? They, they no, say no, no, no. that the Korean's better because you get the voice like different. Inflection. But, that, but the dub version's way better. I didn't even contemplate with yeah. not doing the it. dub oh, yeah. was so bad what I, I disagree i watched the first 20 minutes in dub i couldn't do it i had to change because of what the dub was saying didn't See, match i thought the feeling. dub was done better than any dub in history i actually oh, thought I, it was like I, a I a pivotal a pivotal moment yeah. in lip dubbing in movie history because every time i've seen um like I, I think a Korean movie won an Oscar. Parasite. Parasite. Yeah. Parasite. Yeah. And, and said like if you could just get over whatever there. But also the lip dub back in the day was so. I did not even. I thought oh. Korean. You words. guys listened to that thing in Korean oh, yeah. the entire oh, yeah. time. Oh yeah, a thousand percent. You bet. <laughs> I tried the lip dub. I couldn't do it. I don't mind it. I mean, it's just like watching a foreign film. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but you are obviously much more intelligent than I am. <laughs> There's no way I could listen. Well, to but that. I, I did hear that though. I think Connor actually told me he's like I tried the lip dub. You're going to hate it. You can't do it. So it's I didn't terrible. even try. No, it's not. It's terrible. I completely disagree. I could not disagree more. That was actually one thing that I kept thinking during the entire thing. Like, yeah. this is clearly a lip dub, but this is better than it's ever been before. You can look away, too. It. You can look away. Yeah, just read the goddamn captions and while they're speaking in your language. Nah, can't do it. <laughs> Feed me the Korean. I want this exactly how it was supposed to I be. I understand. I understand respecting the art and appreciating that, but I think they put a lot of work into the lip dub as well. Oh, maybe not enough, I would say. But uh, hey, that's it. Tomato, tomato. Wrong. We're on different I pages. I think you were wrong there. I do. I honestly believe you were wrong there, but I enjoyed that there, everything that, you know, it related so well to people, like everywhere, I oh, assume. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing for the, uh, you know, 
The world. The world. Society. Yeah. Good for Netflix, too. Well, that's yeah. a, very good for You Netflix. could say. Netflix currently got something going on over there. Oh, Is that yeah. right? Oh, what? Yeah, they're having, uh, some of their employees are protesting. Yeah, Netflix. they're staging walkouts oh. today. Because of Squid Game? No, 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 no Squid no. Game was the problem. People getting their heads blown off uh, in startling fashions and that whole thing. Nothing. Chappelle. Dave. What Chappelle was saying. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people who work for Netflix are saying, well, the, the company that I work for and help is allowing jokes that are meant to be funny mm. that are terrible things in perpet whatever the case is, and they're walking out. This is just like what happened to Spotify, by the way, with Rogan. When Rogan had a guest on, that, and Spotify basically said, uh, hey, you can walk out. We're going, we're, Rogan's going to stick around yep, here. Sure. That's a lot of money and I think that's there. what Netflix is doing as well in this whole thing, but it's becoming a thing. Netflix is becoming, a, the Netflix walkout's becoming a thing. I'm sure right? there's a lot of people who be fine taking those jobs. Well, that is probably what the Spotify uh, bosses, whoever uh -huh, they are, right. said mm -hmm. to whenever the Joe Rogan thing happened. And I assume that is exactly what uh, Netflix people are going to say as well, unless because I think they've come on and said, uh, we like Chappelle a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, did they actually listen to the stand-up? Well, I think, you know, because in it he was actually addressing. Yeah, verbatim. So if they would have, I think if they would have walked out, protested after the second one for their angers or whatever yeah i think a lot more people would be understanding because in the last one he literally eviscerated talked well he talked exactly about this and i don't know I, i'm not telling people what they can get offended by you know mm -hmm. i get offended by stuff everybody gets offended by things that you know kind of trigger them but i am saying in the past this has not worked for the employees that have walked out this has not been a uh this has not been a beneficial protest in other places when similar things had happened before. But hey, I like it. Hey, I like to take a stand. Mm -hmm. Good luck. This is Coach Us Up Chuck Wednesday, where we get a chance to chat with Chuck Pagano, former head coach of a team that I played for in Indianapolis and coaching football for like 30-some years, about all the happenings in the NFL. A couple big-time games tomorrow night uh, that Chuck has history, Broncos, Bronze. We'll chit-chat with him about maybe, you know, backup quarterbacks. Oh, Yeah, maybe backup quarterbacks, what it's like. Obviously, a big-time Italian uh, uh, coach made a play for the Raiders this past oh, yeah. weekend. Yep. And also, what's he got going on in his life? Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now, a good paisan. That's right. Great. Ain't that right, AJ? Absolutely. What is he? I don't say that word out of respect for Chuck and the rest of the Italians. Thank, Thank you. you. Which is me as well. Uh -huh. No, it's not. I did 23 and me. Oh, all right, listen. Straight stolen valor over there. For no! Whoa! I earned it! Whoa! I had to pay okay, for it. Okay, cultural appropriation then. Either no! Watch it, prick. I had to pay. You're going to be the island boy soon, buddy. You better watch it. <laughs> Whoa. I spent in that cup. They told me 0.01. Anyways, I paid for that, okay? 0.01% Italian, no big deal, ladies and gentlemen. Former head coach, coach of football, and coach us up, Chuck. Segment host, ladies and gentlemen, Coach Chuck Bagal. What's up, Pat? What's up, guys? Hey, Coach, how we doing over there? Huh? How 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 we doing with uh, Richie Basaccia, football rich, uh, dominating for the Raiders last weekend? Always love to see another Paisan do well, especially in his debut. You know, thirty-eight years in the coaching ranks and first-time head coach, and then I, I mean, couldn't you call this? And, and I hate it because. You know, my brother coaches the outside linebackers for the Broncos. Little Johnny, seven years younger. You know, so obviously I'm, I'm rooting for them. But, boy, what a different team. 
obviously, and you just knew that something like that was going to happen. We talked about it last week, and and those guys showed up big time for for Coach Rich and the rest of the uh, rest of the staff. But you know, they showed up for each other, and we knew they had talent and all that stuff. But man, um, you mentioned it. He was they got something going on now. Yeah, Coach Bisaccia has an incredible debut against the Broncos, and the Broncos are playing tomorrow night, so that leads us right into a great uh, conversation here, and it's something that I think you would actually know a lot about. The Broncos' Von Miller says, I don't know who I'm playing against, all right, but I'm going to fucking kill him. Mary said that in an interview. We have no idea who's starting for the Browns. I don't think the Broncos know who's starting for the Browns. Who knows what's going on in the Broncos? How do you prepare for one of these short games where there's so many question marks, it seems like, on the other side of the field? Oh, it's absolutely crazy. And, and like AJ, I heard him earlier, I, I like, um, or maybe it was you, Pat, a guy coming out and and saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to play well. I'm going to do well. I think he's putting not only himself on notice, but I think he's putting the rest of the squad on notice. You know, three open the season 3-0 and and then have three tough losses and then going into a short week. Um, you don't you remember these short weeks, Pat. You don't practice. You know, it's all walkthrough. No helmets. You're in jerseys. You're in hats. A lot of meeting time. You know, and you're cramming a bunch of uh, football stuff into, into a short period of time, especially if you've got to travel like Denver. You know, they finishing up this morning, then they'll get on a plane about 2.30 this afternoon, fly into uh, into Cleveland, have a snack, go to bed, and, and uh, have the rest of the day tomorrow to finish up some film stuff. But not a lot of uh, physical stuff, but we know the Browns have everybody out. You know, Case Keenum now been named uh, the starter, uh, longtime veteran uh, quarterback in this league, uh, can play. Um, it's always scary, you know, when you go into a game like this, uh, you know, especially if you're Denver, you know, starting quarterbacks out, uh, both running backs are out, both tackles are out. Who knows, uh, OBJ and, and Jarvis, if they're going to play at all. And, you know, like your your ass is so tight. <laughs> you're picking your Denver because the expectation is they don't have any players. Their whole offense is out. I know they got a good defense and special teams and a good core there, but you're supposed to go win that game. And now all of a sudden uh, you're scrambling. Uh, you're pulling up tape. Okay, when's Case's last game that he started? Uh, let's go pull that tape up, and you're looking at the game plan, and you may overcook and overthink this whole thing just because of the expectations. Um, you know, your players, you're t- sitting there trying to motivate your team, and your players saying, hey, look, you know, we're coming off a devastating loss. They're coming off a devastating loss. You know, three in a row, a season started out uh, obviously great, but now you're going on the road, and you're thinking, ah, this is going to be easy. Well, no. Because it's next next man up in, in Cleveland, and you know you got Case coming in, you're playing with house money. All those other guys are getting an opportunity to put some stuff on tape, uh, get a chance to eat, get a chance to make a name for themselves. So uh, this is a scary, scary game to me. I agree. If you had a quarterback that was in a situation like Baker Mayfield right now, not only his contract situation, he wants to play well, get the big extension, but this left non-throwing shoulder injury he has, we know he's tough as nails. You coached Andrew Luck, who also gigantic human, tough as nails, unbelievable respect for him. Like, how do you manage that? I guess throughout the year, I think. How do you think they're going to do this with Baker? Is it going to be a week by week thing? Yeah, you know, AJ, they're going to you know listen to the doctors, obviously listen to the trainers, 
listen to the quarterback, and then they got tough decisions to make. And and obviously, you know, coming off of the Arizona game where that thing came out again, uh, supposedly, reportedly, um, you know, you have to do the best thing for the player and the best thing for the team. And you certainly don't want to put him into uh, another situation where this thing, you know, because the timing of this whole thing is, is crazy, too, because, um, you know, with Andrew, it was like, you know, you keep putting them out there. Do you keep playing? How bad is it? Again, you're going to go back. You're going to listen to the doctors. You're going to listen to traders and try to make, you know, uh, the best educated uh, decision uh, based on all the facts, um, all the all the professionals, all the docs, all the trainers, this, that, and the other. Um, and then, you know, because he could be out one week. It could be two. It could be three. And like Andrew's situation, it's like, Okay, he'll, he's, he's going to miss week one, then it was two weeks, then it was three weeks. Then before you know it, know it excuse me, you know, he's never coming back, you know, and then you've got to start making a decision. You know, if this thing goes into, you know, week, week eight, week nine, week ten, all right, this thing ain't getting any better. It's going to need surgery anyway. Are we better off, you know, biting a bullet right now, having surgery, getting it done so he's back for an off season? He's back for training camp, and we move on to, you know, 2022. So uh, tough situation for everybody involved. Yeah, and the surgery, that's when you think, that's when you have to start focusing on the backup quarterback, right? If you're, if we got to get the surgery, because everybody knows, I, I guess it was partially torn the first time when they had to pop it back in in week three or whatever, and then this past week, it completely tore it whenever it popped out again when somebody, it was an awkward landing. And yeah. I'm, I'm sure he was scared to land on it actually how you normally would. And in doing so, it even became even worse almost. And that thing popped out and that tore it completely. Surgery's the only way to beat that. I, I think, right? Labrum, like surgery's the only way to get that fixed. So, so he would have to just play through like if he's not playing if they're not going to let him play through it this week what changes if there's no surgery next week if it's the same exact injury same exact pain and it's just baker saying i want to play i want to play that's a fascinating thing especially when the player has been as open as wanting to play as baker has and i assume andrew was as well with you in those conversations that has to get pretty uncomfortable now yeah no doubt about it and again uh it's going to come down to you know, pain threshold and how much it can, he can handle, you know, thank God in Baker's situation, it's his non-throwing, you know, shoulder. So they can put a harness on that and um, treat it, this, that, and the other, and, and, and try to keep him out of harm's way as best as possible. But, you know, like you saw the, the hit that he took, you know, on JJ's sack on him when he fell off, those guys ain't thinking about that in the heat of the battle. They're going out there, they're making a decision, I'm going to play, you know, and it's my non-throwing shoulder, this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, he falls and, and that thing pops out again, uh, supposedly. But, um, you know, both those guys are, are, are you know, soldiers. They're, they're, I'm a soldier, you know, <laughs> well, and they want to play and they want to be there for their team, especially, you know, right now they're at a crossroads. You're sitting there at three, three and three, you know, huge game coming up tomorrow night on Thursday night football. If they win that game. You know, they're trying to keep pace with, uh, you know, the Ravens and the Bengals in that division and Pittsburgh coming. Looks like. Big Ben's back, and uh, you know, so he's going to do what he has to do again. Uh, they can they can put a harness on that. They can try to protect him as best they can. But uh, tough situation, uh, Coach. We were talking earlier about bye weeks, you know, and this is 
There's six teams, I think, on a bye week this weekend or something like that. Six teams already, and there was already four last week. And this is a 18-week season now, and there's six and seven. This seems to be a bit early, but there's some good teams, right? Bills, Cowboys, Steelers, you know, Ben's coming on or whatever. They're in a bye week. They're going to have to have 11 weeks on the other side of this if they want to go and make this entire run. Did you ever have a thought on the bye week, or, or is it just you have to have the mentality of whenever we get it, we get it? Because I was always, uh, I thought the team reacted better when it was in the middle felt like a middle was always the best time there was a couple early there was a couple late but does the coach have any thoughts on that or do you guys have any say in anything either in that can you guys hear me we've got a little bit of a bad oh, connection i no. think i missed the last part of your uh last part of your question but as far as the bike weeks go um you know are we good yeah yeah you got me so as far as the bye weeks go, you know, in a perfect storm, a perfect world, you'd love it to be right in the middle of the season. And, uh, you know, right around, eight, you know, week eight, week nine, uh, then you got a chance if you got some guys beat up and you got some injuries, you can get those guys back. You can heal up. You can do a self-scout. You can look at yourself in all three phases, OD and special teams, and then come back fresh. Um, you know, obviously in, in my first year having it, you know, week four, you know, we didn't like it at the beginning of the season when we first got our schedule, but the way it turns out, uh, it worked out perfectly for, for all of us involved. Uh, so there's a lot of different schools of thought. Yeah, you you got to put your head down. It's a long season. It's an extra game. you got 17 games this season. We've got great parity in this league right now. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's all about a routine. It's about taking care of yourself and taking care of your body, and hopefully you can stay injury-free. But you know, 10, 11, 12 weeks in a row, that, that's a long haul. That is a long haul, and I, I think we're going to call you back to reconnect or whatever. Um, the bye weeks, though, is a fast – because there's six teams that, – that's a lot of teams, I yeah. feel like, pretty early here, especially – maybe it's because the incredible graphic that Dirty put together or whatever that it's, like, displayed down there on how yeah. many teams. That's a lot of – like, Bills, Chargers – Cowboys, Steelers, Vikings, okay? All in pretty pivotal parts of their season right now. Bye week, very early. That's great news as fans. We get a chance to watch all these teams kind of at mm -hmm. the end. But from a player's perspective, I think you got to be thinking, like, all right, we're just starting to figure it out. We're going to have a long hold all on the other side. Maybe everybody will use it to get better, though. Ben already has torn four to five different parts of his body, so the oh, bye week maybe will yes. be taking a play. Well, and what was it last year? The Steelers basically ended up, like, not getting a bye week no bye almost week. with the way it worked out. Like, so that's – you. I mean, I, granted, it's a different team, but like you said, I mean, bet they would have been much better served to have their. They would have stayed week. undefeated, wouldn't they? Yeah, I yeah. think that their team would have looked much better at the end of the year if they would have had at least some bye week, let alone a week four potential bye week. No, it's not a bye week, and now you got a game on a Wednesday later. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they the Steelers had an interesting run last year for sure, uh, but now is not the right time uh, for Ben Roethlisberger to potentially have to go eleven straight weeks healthy. I mean, maybe he will. Maybe it is different. Maybe it is different. Oh, it seemed it seemed maybe not for the players, but like for the fans and like the team. I was happy with this bye week because I just got back to five hundred. Like there's definitely some issues they could work on in the bye week. But like like, like a reset button. Yeah. Like a little reset button, which I think is what everybody does with their bye week. We still can't connect with Chuck. Oh no. What the hell? Idaho these ladies days. and gentlemen, back from <laughs> Idaho, internet hell, ladies and gentlemen, Chuck Pagano. Hey, hey, Chuck! Chuck! 
Coach, you look amazing. Uh, we, we got your great... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Sham Sharania does this all day, every day. His cutoff, he actually just had another phone somehow set up, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. Happens all the time. Honestly, do not feel bad. AJ used to do it every other day. He got it fixed somehow. We don't know how, but we're excited that you're back. Uh, Chuck, go ahead, Ty. Coach, a lot of people in the media have been killing Mike McCarthy over the past couple weeks, whether it's clock management stuff or just kind of like situational football stuff. But then Jerry came out today and said basically like, hey, the fans don't realize how much Mike's doing on game day. Uh, so ultimately it doesn't matter yet because they're winning. But like, do, does he have people around him that are telling him like, hey, you keep kind of doing this stuff like we're playing with fire here and it's going to come back to bite us in the ass eventually? Yeah, I, everybody has, you know, with analytics the way they are, um, you know, 45 of the 94 games so far this season have been one-score games, 11 of those going to overtime. Um, you know, 128 fourth-down attempts. They're converting 50% of those. So uh, now more than ever, uh, those game, uh, game, you know, in-game uh, clock management situations, the fourth-down situations, end the half, end the game, that is so, so important. And, you know, we had guys in the box. Coach Mike has guys in the box. I know he's got a lot of, a lot of people that he's leaning on. Uh, they spend a great deal of time in the offseason and training camp going over all these situations. Pat would tell you, uh, AJ would tell you, we had these mock games. We had these mock situations every day in practice. We would have an end of half. We'd have an end of game, uh, special team situation, you know, a bonsai field goal, a hurry up field goal, a milk it field goal, where actually, you know, you want to take time off the clock because you don't have a, t a timeout in your pocket. So you're going to let it bleed down inside of five seconds, then snap it, then kick it and leave the other team no time, you know, on the clock to where you have to kick off those kind of things. So I had a guy up in the box and it was one guy. You know, and I didn't listen because everybody, you know, hey, throw the flag, throw the flag, because those coaches are, are, are listening to the players first and foremost. I, I caught it. I caught it. I caught it. Throw the flag. They just called incomplete, and they came up and said, hey, I got it, coach. Throw the flag. I tackled it. He's short. He's this. He's that. You got one guy up in the box, and he's watching that, and that is all he does. You know, Timmy Burbanitz, who's now with the Raiders, was my guy in Indy. First. Very, very bright. Very, very brilliant guy. And so, and we had a guy in Chicago, Coach Nagy had a guy in Chicago, and that's all they did was handle those situations for him. Because, you know, even though you got an O coordinator, D coordinator, special teams coordinator, you're still managing a lot of stuff. And we talk at nauseum about how tough the jobs are in the National Football League head coach, coordinators, uh, special teams coach, officiating, and that management stuff, you know, in real time. It's easy for us, Pat and AJ and the rest of the guys on the call here, you know, to sit back on Monday. Why didn't he call timeout there? Why did he go for it on fourth and one on his own 29 in the first quarter? I mean, that's unconventional, and that's just the National Football League right now. It is changing. Old school philosophy was, hey, look, you know, first three quarters, let's play football. Let's get our points, and then when the fourth quarter hits, we'll start making – you know, decisions based on the circumstances, the score, field position, road, home, all that stuff on, you know, do we kick it here? Do we go for it here? All those things. And now, I mean, you look at what Brandon Staley's doing at the Chargers. That Browns-Chargers game was, was crazy. Um, so you got one guy in the box, and he's helping you. says, hey, coach, like Burbs would always, 
we had this company we hired, Championship Analytics Incorporated. Oh, here we go. And they put together a game book, and they do a phenomenal job. They're really big uh, in college football, and, they, and we were the first in the National Football League to use them. And they put a book together for us. You know, and, and each week you got a book on yourself and you got a book on your opponent and what their tendencies were in all these situations. So we relied heavily on that. You know, everybody always had the two-point chart, this, that, and the other. But one guy, Burbs could get to me at any time, whether we were on offense, whether we were in defense, whatever. Hey, coach, we got a situation here. You know, if we get to this yard line, we're at the plus 42. It's first and 10. Fourth down, situ- fourth down go in this situation based on the, the quarter, the score, all right, and the field position, he would say, hey, look, fourth and three or less is a go. And then so what? And then, what? And, and then you would, that's what the book would tell him, right? And then you would just have to feel it on how the team feels that particular day. And how, is that what led to the Colts inevitably? Ha- they have like a statistics department now, I think. I think there's an entire like crew of uh, mathematicians for that. Do you have to balance? And how do you decide when you balance the stats and the field? This is a massive conversation piece right now in the uh, state of the NFL that we're in. Yeah, no question about it. And and you always, you know, go with your gut at the end of the day. But I think with analytics coming into play, and, and like you said, John Park is, is one of the uh, key uh, analytics guys over there in India and does a f- uh, phenomenal job. With rapper. crunching the numbers, he's a rapper. But so but at the end of but at the end of the day, Good. you know you still got to go with your gut. You got to go with uh, the situation in the game. You know uh, the Bills on the road at Tennessee, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you got a fourth and one. You know down there in the low red zone with 22 seconds uh, to go and a timeout. You know I'm with Sean. Uh, ten out of ten times I'm doing the same thing. You got a chance to get a walk because defensively they've been really really good. They struggled in that game. And Derrick Henry, as we know, was kind of having his way, you know, in that game. And, and we all know that, you know, as the game get lo- gets longer, he just gets stronger, oh, yeah. you know, and, he, and he's a beast, you know. And we saw those numbers. So in that situation, it's like, okay, look, and all the players are on board because you talk in the team meetings, you know, about these situations. And, and I'm sure Sean talked to the whole team and said, hey, look, just so we're all on the same page, if this comes up, this is what we're doing. Brandon's the same way. So, and you spell out the why. This is why we're doing it. We get a first down here. We can call timeout, and then we got three cracks at the end zone throwing the football with 12, 14 seconds, whatever's left on the clock. This is why we're doing it, you know. And so you go through the why, and everybody goes, okay, that makes sense. You know, Pat, you sat in those team meetings, you know, and you listened to coaches for a long time, and. You're a smart guy. You understand situational football. You understand clock management. You you understand, you know, fourth down, all that stuff. So if it makes sense, those players and everybody's on board and you talk about it and you practice it beforehand, then when the situation comes up, it's not panic time. You know, you get on the sideline and all of a sudden the clock's rolling, you know, and the commentators are saying this, that, and the other, and why aren't you, you know, why are you not calling timeout, you know, all these kind of different things. Those are all rehearsed. Those are all practiced. They're all talked about. Hey, just in one, sorry, AJ, just one quick sure. thing to, to tag on the end of that. Whenever you talked about the milk it field goal and everything like that, I want to, I appreciate you, by the way, for empowering me to, I'd go on three. We'd go on three sometimes. We would practice it depending upon how close we were, when it was in the game, what the score was. I was allowed to basically do whatever. We would practice it, though, basically. You're like, hey, if you're going to go on three in a fucking game, you got to at least do this in practice, basically. It was like, yeah, we would do it. Ursay, Ursay, Pagano, Pagano. Ursay, <laughs> yeah. Ursay. 
Yeah, oh yeah. Ursa has three daughters, so that's on three. Uh, Pagano, what was? Hold on, we. I thought we were gonna try to go. Three, yeah, three three daughters. I wanted to three. go on four one time just to fuck around. I forget what it was, and uh, it got it got nixed on a Wednesday. <laughs> it was like uh, nah, I can't have it. Sorry about that. Go ahead. We did prepare for all of those things, though. It did feel as if that was a focal point, and I think that's what Jerry's trying to say about Mike Thunder. It's like no, they focus. I was like, well, they're gonna have to figure it out because there's a lot of eyes on them right now. Sorry about that. Go ahead, AJ. Uh, well, going back to that Josh Allen play, I mean, Simmons just made a hell of a play, first off, to, to shut that play down. And, and it wasn't against Taylor Lewan, as some people do think or did think <laughs> earlier. But, Chuck, you were talking about the headsets. And we were talking about this uh, maybe yesterday on the show with Urban. with the They're trying to throw the flag a couple weeks ago. How, how and when can coaches get to you, get to the head coach? Like, how do they dial your headset directly? Because they all, I'm sure, want to talk to you at certain times. But how do you guys work the traffic out? So, great question. So, like, Timmy Bourbonitz was my guy at the end there uh, in Indianapolis. And so, all these coaches have their guy. You know, whether it's Ernie Adams when he was, you know, with New England and Coach Belichick, they have their guy. And so, they have on those on those headsets, uh, equipment guys can set those heads up, headsets up any way they want to. So, you know, with the head coach, you know, a guy on offense like Burbs can get to me whether I'm on the offensive side, we're on offense, and I'm already on that side, or if I'm on defense, it was set up where he just clicks over to a different channel, and he can get right in the middle of a conversation, right into the middle of a, uh, of a defensive series where I was on listening uh, you know, and talking to the defensive guys, any of those kinds. So they can set up those headsets, AJ, to where you know the guy in the box, whoever is doing the replay for you, whoever's helping you with timeouts, whoever's helping you with game management situations, he can just click a button and get right on you and get right to you. Now, you got your headset off. You know, you got it off and you're on the sideline and you're making adjustments. You know, head coach is a defensive guy, whatever, and you see, you know, again, Coach Belichick on the sideline, he got his headset off. Then they'll call down and tell so-and-so, somebody else on another headset, hey, go get Coach on the phone. I need him right now. Because a lot of these guys, you know, especially like Andy Reid, Andy's calling, you know, lion's share of the place, you know, in uh, Kansas City. And you can see when the offense comes off, you know, he goes over and sits down on the bench right next to Patty Mahomes. And they're going through the series. They're going through the tablet. They're going through first down, second down, third, everything that happened on that series. And so sometimes he's got his headset on, sometimes he doesn't. So they've got uh, mechanics uh, in place to where you can get to the head coach anytime you need to. What are you, you're listening. So you're able to just click over to the defensive side of the headset. Nobody from the offense can get to you except for Burbs who can get to you at all times. Are you following defense when defense is on the field and offense when offense is on the field? Or are you listening to what's going on with the offense while the defense is on the field? No, you whatever's out there at that time, you know, if the defense is out there, I'm on the defensive line. Um, listening to the calls, listening to the situation. If there's something that the head coach needs to get in and, and discuss at the time, you know, hey, we got a big third down. There's, hey, this is this is third and two at the at the plus 48 yard line. I said, okay, this is four down territory, okay. uh, Minusk. You know, this is you know Teddy Monique, This is four down territory for this guy. Be alert to a shot right here. Just something that, you know. Because you're the head coach and you're not calling every play, but one of these things may pop in your head. So you're on that line. And this is what Nagy was offense. talking about. This is what Nagy was talking about. So then, you know, on offense, you know, when an offense is going, I'm listening, you know, uh, you know, to the offense calls and um, begging them, son of a bitches, you know, to get the play call into Andrew <laughs> and, and 
you know, these play calls are so freaking long. Go to the wristband, you know, do whatever you can. The poor kid's coming up, breaking the huddle with less than 10 seconds on the uh, play clock, and we want them to shift, motion, ID, change protections. Bullshit. We can't do it. Freaking go no huddle. Yeah. Hey, that's what I'm saying on the sideline as well. I'm happy you're saying the same exact thing. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Chuck, uh, this past Sunday, a lot of people were pretty upset with uh, Belichick not going for it on a few fourth downs, similar to what Ty was talking about with McCarthy. Is that something that's easy to change, kind of his style of football? Or like, even though Mac Jones is a rookie, if your quarterback goes to your head coach and kind of talk about like, hey, I think we can go for it when we're in this situation, or uh, is that mostly just Bill Belichick going back, reviewing the film, and then changing uh, like his strategy going forward? Yeah, I think you know having Tom Brady at the helm for you know two decades, um, you know, makes those decisions uh, a hell of a lot easier, uh, Connor. You know, uh, compared to a, a rookie quarterback. That you got out there, um, some new personnel on offense, uh, all those things come into play. And, you know, he's still going to methodically go through uh, his game preparation, his game management. I don't think Ernie's with him anymore. So he's got, I think, a new guy, and, and you got turnover on the staff. Um, all these things come into play, you know, when you're making decisions, uh, especially in game decisions on you know, when you're going to go for it, when you're not going to go for it. Can, can I go back and be the same guy that I was, you know, five years ago uh, compared to now? No, because it, it's ever evolving. You know, it's, it's fluid. These situations are fluid, like Stephen A. always says, right? <laughs> and and uh, so I think all those things come into play, and, and he's, he's keeping in mind, I, I think most specifically, that he's got a rookie quarterback. He's trying to manage uh, that situation uh, with kick gloves, the kid is really good, and I think he's really smart. He's going to be a fantastic player for a long time in this league. But um, I think you know navigating the waters that he's having to navigate right now uh, comes into play there. It's fascinating the way they're talking about Bill Belichick right now. But I guess uh, with all the stats and information that we now have, that maybe once weren't as public, it is a different way to judge and see how hindsight can affect some things. I, we had Mike Pereira on the other day. And this has nothing to do with Mac Jones or anything like that. He told me that there wasn't a ref that liked me out there. What was oh. it? So I guess I had a bad name and <laughs> reputation amongst the refs. Did you have a good rep with the refs, you think, or a bad rep? How did you handle refs, especially now? Mike Tomlin said the other day, I'm writing a check to the league tonight. I'm telling the truth, he said. How do you – because there's jobs on the line. Like bad calls lead to potential games and then obviously coaching turnover and players and everything like that. How do you manage – because we all understand it's a difficult job. It's not easy. We get it. But there are some things that are egregious, I think you would even say. And you're, How do you keep cool and how did you deal with refs? Yeah, you know, kill them with kindness. You know, and I'd always have to – because when something happened, everybody saw it. Um, it was plain as day. It was obviously uh, not in our favor. And every coach, every player on the sideline is going after these guys. And before I continue, Pat, you didn't have a bad rep with those guys because I communicate with them, you know, weekly, daily, during the game. And, and they had a ton of respect for you as, as a player and as a person. Because when you talk to them, you know, you knew exactly who to go to and, and what to say. You knew the rules inside and out. And there's a lot of guys that would, you know, go screaming at guys, you know. Um, and, you know, early on when you don't know what their jobs are and you start screaming at, you know, say a line judge for a downfield call that a, like a uh, back judge 
you know, or a field judge is in charge of him and you're screaming at him, hey, that's – he goes, coach, that's not my call. My eyes were in a different place. You need to go talk. That's when they know, hey, this guy's a dumb shit. You know, hey, been there, done that. Yeah. Guilty as charged. But yeah. you learn along the way. So, um, Pereira, uh, you know, that was a great interview, uh, by the way. Um, love Pereira's. You know, he's got the big mob, you oh, know, Italian mob yeah. glasses on, you know what I oh, mean? Yeah. God, and we got so many paisans and you're. No, 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 no. No. Huh? We thought that. I made that mistake, well, who actually. Talk, who was talking like with the scratchy Yeah, voice? no, he's <laughs> earlier. Portuguese. He's Portuguese. <laughs> Portuguese. Yes, believe well, me. As soon as I met him the first time, I said, "Oh, Paisan Pereira." And he, no, actually, stop right now. I am okay. not Italian, which so, is kind of rude, anyway, I guess. Well, yeah, a little bit. Oh, very AJ like. Yeah, sorry about that. I, he hated the Italians. It seemed like. Yeah. Whoa, whoa! I should have taken offense to that. Cause no, I, I was. I always tried to, um, you know, just so you could get the benefit of the doubt, try to, you know, talk to those guys in a civil manner. Uh, especially early in the game, because you may need them, you know, towards the end of the game, fourth quarter, you may need a call. You may need a call the next week. Uh, no, but again, they have a really tough job. You know, uh, they've made it even harder uh, as the rules change on those guys trying to officiate this game in real time at this level. Very, very, very difficult. You don't want that job. I don't want that job. There's a lot of people that don't want that job. Uh, and Mike was exactly right. So, um, you try to talk to those guys. You try to treat those guys with kindness. Hey, when they're wrong, they're wrong. They know it. We know it. And, I mean, there's times where during replay, we'd be looking at the jumbotron, and the guy is standing on the sideline like this, and I'm yelling. I said, look, the ball is out. You called that a – he was down by – that ball is on the ground. Look at the scoreboard. Look at the video replay. It's right there. And they're taught, Coach, you know, I can't look at that. I cannot look up there right now. I cannot look up there right now. And they're having a conversation. This, I think there was one time, and I'm not going to name the name, where I said, hey, look, he's out of bounds. His toe hit the line, you right? And the guy looked up and, went, and looked at it and saw it, yeah, incomplete. No! <laughs> was out. <laughs> that had to be electric. I was, no. Oh, that's awesome. I was, just, I was like to myself, I was like, Really just happened? Are uh, you kidding me? So, uh, and so that's why we don't say any names or anything like that. But, um, <laughs> uh, but, hey, you know, spending a year with those guys in 2018 with the officials up there and working with them, uh, unbelievable. What guys. did you do? What did you do? Extremely. I did a consulting gig in 2018 after I was let go in 17. So I got to go and, and, uh, and just and they've done it with a bunch of uh, former NFL coaches, guys that were in transition that you know were fired one year and, and were taking a year off and then got back in the game. I think Kenny Wisenhunt did it. Mike Smith, the former head coach of Atlanta Falcons, have done it. Joe Philbin, you know, did it a, a year ago. Um, but they bring uh, special teams guys, Bobby April, all the old guys, old guard guys that um, just can sit in there and not do replay, not tell them, just watch tape. Have conversations, talk about you know holding, talk about DPI, talk about OPI, all different things and, and what their mechanics are. And it gave me an opportunity to really, number one, I've always appreciated how difficult their job was, um, but even more so gave me gr even greater perspective how tough that job was. But then it, it 
opened my eyes on, on to, you know, the mechanics and how the game was officiated, um, all those kind of things. But uh, built some great relationships with all those people up there. And um, believe me, I, trust me when I say this, they are, they are uh, doing uh, the very best that they can to make sure that these games go as smooth as they can and, and to get the right call on, uh, you know, well, on the field Chuck, during all these Chuck, situations. Chuck, 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 Chuck. Chuck, they need to. I understand they're doing their best, but we need we need a little bit better. You know what I mean? We need a little bit better on some things. I think as the technology comes into play more, hopefully it'll be a little bit more quickly and expedited. But nobody wants to be a ref. It is very difficult. But there's about to be so much money gambled on these games, Chuck. There is about to be so much on because refs are a massive part of the game. I think that's why I always talk to them. I always, I think, talked about them whenever I had a chance to because it is a huge part of the game that you know. Coaches have to prepare for. You get a chance to learn which ref crew is coming through. What do they like to do? What do they not like to do? It's a huge part of the game, and I think we all know that, especially whenever it goes wrong, which Pereira told us 99% of the time it goes right, only 1% of it goes wrong, which I think a lot of people are only remembering. But whoever, whatever the fucking case. They got to get better, dude. They got to get better. It has to. Chuck, it has to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Pat. Coach better. We got to play better. We got to clean up all this shit. <laughs> You're right. And, uh, Pereira told us that every week six going into week seven, everybody's saying the refs are bad. I guess that's just part of the game. Go ahead, Tone. Coach, there's more than a few teams where one side of the ball is carrying the other side of the ball. We're playing much better than the other side of the ball uh, so far this season. How do you deal with that in the locker room? Is it addressed in the locker room or a team meeting? Have you ever had to deal with something like that? That's a, uh, you know, one of the most interesting dynamics. If your culture, we always said culture eats strategy, you know? So if your culture is good and you've got great leadership, you know, in that locker room and great leadership at the helm that you can overcome a lot of that because, you know, those guys, whether it's the defense is playing uh, better than the offense or the offense is playing better uh, than the defense or the special teams are doing a great job, um, this, that, and the other, you know, those guys all know that you're only one week away. You know, it's a short ride from the penthouse, you know, to the outhouse, uh, so to speak. And so those guys got to do a great job. And, and when somebody's hurting, like, you know, going into this game tomorrow night, you know, we got all these injuries on one side of the ball. It's time for the defense, you know, to, to step up. And, again, it goes back to the locker room. It goes back to the leaders in that locker room to where if if there's any inkling of, you know, some of that starting to come out and you start to hear, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, then those leaders got to go in there and go, uh-uh, we ain't doing that. We're not pointing fingers. You know, these, these teams that are sitting there, you know, two-game losing straight, straight, three-game losing streak, you know, all the stuff's coming. This is when your leaders got to show up and say, no, hey, this this side's struggling. We got to pick up our stuff. We have to play better. We have to do more. We have to give them shorter fields. We have to give them opportunities. We got to turn the ball over for these guys, and they'll get it going. Because, again, uh, you know, because you start talking like that, you know, the karma, football karma is a crazy thing, and you don't, you don't want to go there. 
Yeah, the football gods will get you. And uh, the football gods have blessed us with your presence every single Wednesday. We appreciate you, Coach. How do you see tomorrow night going? You said you're scared to pick. I'm scared to death to pick what's going to happen tomorrow. You said the Denver Broncos coaching staff might have a little bit of fear because they're supposed to beat the hell out of the Browns who seem to have nobody. How do you think this thing turns out tomorrow? I'm with, uh, you know, listening to you guys. I'm with you guys. I, You know, I don't know what the over-under is, but I'd, I'd go on. This is one of those trap games. <laughs> this, is, this is one of those trap games, you know, where, oh, shoot, they're still getting points on the road and Cleveland has no players yeah. left? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, this is a stinky, stinky game. And I'd stay away from this. I don't bet and I don't gamble. I of can't course. do any of that stuff, of even in retirement. But I'm staying away from it, you know, because I think it'll be a defensive battle. Two great defenses coming head-to-head. You know, Denver's offense has struggled the last couple of weeks. They've got talent. They've got players. Browns don't, you know, all their offensive players are out. Um, you know, so I think it'll be a defensive struggle, and it'll come down to which team take care of the football, you know, most on offense and doesn't turn it over. So whoever in this one wins the turnover battle, gives it a short field, maybe score on defense, going to come out on top of this one. The old field position game. It's funny you're not a part of it, but you know a lot about it. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Coaches Up Chuck Wednesday host, Chuck Pagano. Thank you, Coach. Yeah. I'm sorry for interrupting this incredible conversation. But we have big news and shoes. Rothy's is now selling men's sneakers and driving loafers. You've probably heard your wife, sister, mother, daughter, girlfriend, or friends talk about their love of Rothy's women's shoes. Well, now they've brought their sustainable materials, washable design, and innovative craftsmanship to men's shoes. Listen, looking good and feeling great just got easier thanks to Rothy's and the approach to shoe design. From the unbeatable comfort to the fact that you can wash them, these shoes check every box. If you hate when your favorite white sneakers or light-colored shoes get dirty, Rothy's men's shoes are for you. Their washable construction means your shoes look like new with every wash. Everything Rothy's makes is better for the planet, too. Their elevated style is achieved through innovative manufacturing and materials. I got a pair of the loafers in the desert camo, and they are absolute fire flames. I love those things. So upgrade your shoe game with the new men's options from Rothy's. Head to rothys.com slash McAfee to discover what the hype is all about. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash McAfee. Back to the show. Joining us now is a man who's just getting heated up. He's staying warm at all times. Senior NBA insider at The Athletic and at Stadium. Ladies and gentlemen, our basketball guru, Sean Sharania. What's up, dude? What up, guys? How are you guys doing? You guys feeling all right? Hey, it's great to have you back. You look fantastic. You haven't aged a minute, it seems like, <laughs> since the last time we chatted with you, like two years ago. You look amazing. I'm trying to be like you, Pat. I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to be like you, man, at the end of the day. No, don't ever do that. You're doing much better than me. I wouldn't <laughs> want to bring you down. It seems like the basketball world is always cooking for you, but now the regular season's going. There's a lot of outstanding storylines from the offseason. What should we be talking about? What should we be thinking about when we're thinking about the NBA? You are literally the only person keeping us informed on what's going on in the association. 
Pat, I mean, two things for me that I'm monitoring on a daily basis, right, is like, is Kyrie Irving ever going to play a basketball game this season? And the second thing, will Ben Simmons play? And if he does play, who will he play for? When will he ultimately be traded? And so those are really the two things that, I mean, everyone everyone around the league is, is paying attention to. Because on one hand, you have a player, you know, in Kyrie Irving, who's arguably one of the best players, um, you know, in the league and on a championship favorite. And for him not to be playing at all this upcoming season. I mean, it's a blow to the league. It's a blow to the Nets. And Kyrie Irving himself is missing out on $200 million by deciding not to get the shot and playing. And on the other end, you have Ben Simmons, a guy who has basically decided he doesn't really want to be with the Sixers and he's willing to do whatever it takes to get out. And that included him basically refusing to participate in a defensive drill yesterday. And he was sent home, dropped the ball and and left uh, and, and went back home yesterday. Hey, with that Ben Simmons situation, I was watching the clip. I know they said he was practicing in sweatpants with his phone in his pocket. Was this whole part of his plan? Did he want to get kicked out? I and mean, he's just trying to force the hand. Uh, well, a couple things. One, breaking news for the, for for your show, Pat. Uh, that was not a phone in his pants. That was actually another jersey. It was the practice jersey he was supposed oh. to be wearing. He decided not to wear. Put it in those sweatpants that he was wearing. Put on. It looked like it was a sweatshirt he had on. Kind of cut off. Sick. Seventy uh, Sixers. Uh, sweatshirt that, that that he was wearing and not his practice jersey. He elected to put that in his pants. But, I mean, listen, it's, it's clear that all of his behavior, he's been coming in. I did a story yesterday. He's been really coming in, ignoring staffers. He hasn't been engaging with anyone. And uh, as I have a, uh, a, a camera. Oh. oh. A camera glitch. I don't know what Switch. that is. but Two angles? Hey, I'm going to talk to you guys from here. <laughs> this is this – is, Hey, this is this is live. Hey, um, this is this is high production value. You got two games. High production. How about um, it? I think you know for him, it, it, it just became about he understood he wants a trade, and he's not going to be talking or engaging with anyone there. Okay, so he gave a little bit of effort though on one of the videos that I saw. And this angle is fantastic, by the way. Get a little glimpse of the side <laughs> prof. I mean, you look amazing here, Shams. We appreciate you adapting so quickly. I I was. Mind blown by what happened there. I just want to see Shams. He's a little boy. What happened? That's yeah, a different angle. Set up? Yeah. Is that a cell phone down here set up? Man, Can- listen, I, I, have a, I have a little cell phone camera set up here. I have my laptop here. It's it, it's a big production job. It's not as big as the Mac show, but it's it's it's. I'm trying. I'm Is this trying where you it. live all day, every day, though? Just uh, scooping and getting information and clipping and going? Home office. Literally a home office. I stay here. If I have to go on and do video, I'm literally strapped, ready to go. If not, I'm I'm plugging away on my phone. Okay, so when the Ben Simmons news comes to you, how does that? Who tells you that he gets? You don't have to tell us, but is that something that everybody knew that he got kicked out of practice? Because I saw a video. It looked like he gave a little bit of effort on a reach on an assistant coach. I think that was playing against, and there was maybe a pass. And I saw some uh, other stuff that came today. Was he just? He's just telling everybody to fuck off. He's there. Be- Wow! <laughs> hey, you were so no. Pumped. Listen, listen. That that was you know to answer your question. You know, I, I mean, I have people who are who are there, right? And so I'm not. I'm not. You know, there's a bunch of people. There's there's fifty, hundred people that are usually on site. You know, when you talk about you know whether it's the players and coaches, etc. So you know me, Pat. I'm never going to throw anyone on the bus. Uh, but there were a lot of people at that practice, and and really, it was a culmination of the last few days. He's literally been. You know, everything that's been going on, it's been a lead up to what happened yesterday and him essentially just walking out of practice because he's been in and out um, of drills. He's he's really done a handful of defensive slides 
and they asked him to go through a walkthrough yesterday, and he, he refused to do so. And so so I, did I think, Doc think he was going to be able to make it better? Like, Doc was like, we'll get him back in the building. We'll be able to win him back over. This team will be able to thrive again. They'll be able to coexist, him and Joel or whatever. And then he got kicked out or walked out, and that just because they realized that that wasn't going to happen. I think Doc Rivers and, and the organization felt like once they brought Ben Simmons back into Philadelphia, once he reported again, everything would be fine. It would be kumbaya. But it – it, it never was. Ben Simmons told ownership and Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, Elton Brand to their face in August in Los Angeles that I don't want to be a Sixer. If I'm back, I'm not, I'm not mentally and physically prepared to play for you guys. And so he made that message loud and clear. They decided, you know, obviously he's under contract. He's got four years, $150 million left on his deal. They want him to honor that deal and to show up and play and perform and, and, and leave it all on the line. And so they felt, bring him back, he'll, he'll be all good. Well, listen, he came back last week, his first meeting with Doc Rivers in Doc Rivers' office, and I'm told he told Doc Rivers, I'm not mentally ready to play for you and this team. And so they knew where he was at mentally and physically, and they decided to roll the dice. He ends up coming, being present, but he really hasn't been present. He's been present in only his physical state. Mentally, he hasn't uh, been there, that. and physically, he hasn't been there. Welcome to the hotel in You can check out, but you never leave. You know what I mean? That's yeah. right. It's a crazy time over there. $150 million he's got on his contract. $200 million is what Kyrie's going to miss out on when he doesn't play this. Is he ever going to play again? If, like, if this maintains the mandate of everybody's going to have to have the vaccination to continue to play, is it... Because it was just home games. First, he wasn't going to be able to play in. Then I think it rolled into every single game. Is this looking like we have seen the last of Kyrie Irving playing basketball? He was a fucking great player. Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was great Yeah, player. I mean, I, I, you thought that once they opened up the practice facility for Kyrie Irving that maybe there was a pathway, right? He'd be able to practice at home, play on the road. And I think that's where it was looking. But then over the weekend, uh, you know, the weekend before they made the decision to essentially banish him from the team, it's clear that something might have occurred. It's clear that they had some kind of a, a decision internally within that ownership group and Sean Marks, the GM, that – and, and it, I – listen, any time a decision like that's made, you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, you're going to have to take their opinion and, and what, what their perspective is. And it's clear that they came to the decision that not having Kyrie Irving around was best for this team. And that, to me, Jeez, is not a good waste. sign for Kyrie Irving's future there. Um, I mean, it, it just it just just doesn't give you confidence that whether it's he's, he plays basketball for the Nets this year or not, you know, is he going to be a net long term? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's missing out on half of his salary for this year, which is roughly over 16 million dollars, as well as a 186 million dollar contract extension that the Nets obviously are not offering him now because he's not available to even play in games. So Jeez. he's missing out on, like you said, 200 million plus, and it's going to be a decision that Kyrie Irving. Only Kyrie Irving can make. Is he going to get the vaccine or not? If he does, he'll be able to play. If he doesn't, he's not playing. I've spoken to City Hall officials, and they've told me we are not lifting the mandate for one shot for players to play in, in the city. And so if the mandate's not being listed, uh, lifted, he's not playing basketball or he's going to be traded. Um, those are really his only pathways um, you know, as of right now. Shams, you called City Hall? Hey, what's up? Shams Sharania. Need to hear what we're thinking about this, this uh, Kyrie Irving. So you did that? I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I do have regular contact with, with New York City Hall, and um, that's – I actually quoted a City Hall official when I reported that they, you know, they ruled that the, that the Nets facility, HSS Training Center, was, was a private office building, right? And so for the Nets, 
that was a that was a big win. We're able to have Kyrie Irving back in in the gym. He's able to practice this week. He's able he, it, like if if the Nets would want him around, he'd be, he'd be able to play not only in the opener last night, practice tomorrow, play on Friday in Philadelphia. He just couldn't play home games, oh, so they man. all decided Gee, we'd rather not. It have looks Kyrie like Irving around at all. it looks like we're running into an inevitable Red Extreme X Factor situation. Oh yeah, boy, yeah. it seems like that's what's going to happen here potentially, and that is. Obviously very scary. Go ahead, Ty. Shams, I think it was a Pelicans reporter that said that uh, Zion Williamson blimped up to like 350-some pounds Whoa. this offseason. Do we know, is he back closer to playing shape, and uh, when is he going to get traded to the Knicks? Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he, he's on his rookie deal, so I, I don't think he has the leverage right now to be traded where he, where he would want to go. I know Pat Pat's wanted him on the Knicks. For, for a while here. Just on TV. Um, Just on TV. Put him on TV is what I heard. Guys, he needs to get back on the court. I think the, the first few years of his career, he just has not been able to stay healthy and play uh, in, in games, you know, you know for, a lo- for large stretches of time and play, you know, without a minutes restriction. And so until he gets to that point, um, there's not really going to be many levers for him to pull as far as, you know, forcing his hand and, and getting where he wants to, to play. I mean, it's clear he hasn't even started – Full activities as far as his ramp up. He's doing one on oh drills and he just started running in the last few days. That doesn't sound like to me, guys, a guy that's ready to play in the foreseeable future. So, I mean, the fact that he underwent this procedure before Summer League, Summer League was in August. We're now in late October. We're about to be in Halloween time and Zion Williamson is still not able to play. That to me doesn't give a great sign for his. his you know his fitness right now. As oh, far okay. as being able well, to he hasn't been able to work because uh-huh. he had the, the surgery. Obviously, he's going to get back and he's going to be in better shape than he's ever been. He's fucking Zion Williams. True. I, I hope so. I mean, listen, listen. Everyone in New Orleans hopes so because he, when he's able to play and when he's in, when when he's going without. You know any restrictions? He he's dynamic. There's no question about it. Well, they were putting the restrictions on him his rookie year. Okay, we all thought he could have played a lot more minutes, or we all thought that, and also maybe empowered a little bit more. I think he shot 85 percent whenever he was playing four minutes a game or whatever, and then he would come on the side. I mean. Uh, Zion's going to get back. What, what was that? The blimp? What blimped was that? up? Oh, yeah. The guy's drinking big gulps of pancake batter. I mean, <laughs> he needs, to, he needs <laughs> to tone it down a little bit. All right. All right. Sorry. Connor, go ahead. He could Jeez. be the president of the Hall of Fame if, you know, he plays his cards right when you think all about right. it. But. All right. Zion slander would not be told. Oh, right? Absolutely. It yeah. sounded like there was some from you, too, Sean. A little bit, you, Sean. Way you started painting that picture a little bit. That sounded like No, little... no. I mean, he's, he's not able to he, – he's not doing anything besides – he just started sprinting and doing one-on-one drills. That Pat, that doesn't sound like a guy who's ready to play in the in, in any kind of slobs. Name Zion, dude. What do you have, Connor? Yeah, Sean. For one night into this thing, uh, we've seen LeBron, we've seen Giannis, we've seen KD. So I assume you have the answer to this. Who is going to win the NBA championship <laughs> this year? Hey, this is the most important part of this conversation. I'm going to carry whatever you say right here into a lot of conversations. Yeah, it's, it's probably going to be on I SmackDown mean, on ooh, Friday. Okay. If I, had to, I mean, this is going to go a lot of places, Sean. So let's go ahead and put a little bit of uh, thought and effort into this please i mean i I wish i knew uh but i I don't but i I will say this if kyrie irving plays for the nets this year i i I mean i saw them last night i was at the game i was at the game milwaukee um i mean just imagine this team with kyrie irving offense obviously is not the problem for them but if they have kyrie irving they are going to be so lethal those guys james harden kyrie irving uh kevin Durant, they only played in i think 10 or 12 games last year i want to see these guys play for full 82 game schedule it's unfortunate we're not gonna be able to see that so to me, it's it's kind of an asterisk, right? If Kyrie Irving plays this year, 
I don't see how the Nets are not, you know, the championship favorite barring injury. Is Kyrie like is is he just hanging out now, or is he still like in an appeal process, or is he trying to get some other therapeutics? Like like how, what's he doing? Yeah, I mean, there's no appeal. He, I mean, I'm told he hasn't even appealed to the NBA to get a religious like exemption. An exemption. So are there any exemptions? Andrew Wiggins did that. He was rejected. Kyrie Irving hasn't even gone to the league for a religious exemption, and so that leads me to believe that he's honestly, I mean, at this point, unless he just goes and decides to get the vaccine, he's just waiting for either the va- mandate to get lifted or change in stance from the league or the Nets. And I don't see any of that coming anytime soon. Well, we appreciate you for stopping by and informing us on everything we need to know about the association. Ladies and gentlemen, senior uh, NBA insider at Stadium and Athletic, Sean Shirani. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day-to-day. The fact you allow us to penetrate your ear holes, I am eternally grateful for. Hashtag end of pod squad. Continue to tweet where you are, where you listen, who you are. I'd love to get to know all of you a little bit more, as would all the boys. Ty continues to pick people through the hashtag end of pod squad contest for free merch. And, you know, it just helps us learn a little bit. We can't thank you enough for sticking around all the way to the end. There's a lot of shit that you had to battle through to get here. So thank you for that. We'll be back manana with a risk-free same game parlay. Thursday night football Thursday. Uh, and I can't wait for it. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Coaches Up Chuck Wednesday evening. We'll see you manana.